This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on the Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. On today's Property Show, we are in conversation with Nirmala Supramaniam, Head of Household Financial Education Debt for AKPK, which is Malaysia's Credit Counseling and Debt Management Agency, which is part of Bank Negara Malaysia. Nirmala, I want to ask you this, right, because your mandate is to help individuals take control of their financial situation and to gain peace of mind that comes from the wise use of credit. That is your mandate. Uh, And because this is a property show, I want to get your perspective. How difficult has it been for AKPK to serve and deliver this mandate during the pandemic? For all of us, I guess the pandemic has rather created an impact that we have never imagined would happen to to any of us during, during a very current period, right? But what we have seen is definitely uh, a lot of them had their income affected uh, in terms of we we do see people who have lost their jobs. Uh, We do see people whose business has been affected or income has been reduced, you know, in a way. And of course, the first issue that comes is the difficulties in paying their monthly commitments. And one of it is definitely the housing loan, which I would rather say is some, some sort of the highest commitment that most of us would have, you know, in our expenses. When an issue of your income is disrupted, so definitely a repayment would become an issue. The paying back would be an issue. And and of course, we are very worried when it comes to housing loan because it's it's the roof above our head, right? It's, it's a place for us to stay and uh, nobody wants to lose that. So, uh, that I would say, we did see that uh, there were cases on uh, where they had difficulties paying uh, their loans due to the uh, disruption in their income, mainly it was due to that, you know. So yeah, that has been seen and people are worried about, you know, repaying back. But I think due to the moratorium that was given and uh, some restructured plans that was offered also, so I guess that's how many had actually uh, managed in terms of this managing on the housing loan here. You know, when you talk about the commitment to pay for their housing loans and payments, right, what's the first advice you typically give to to people who reach out to you for counsel? The first is definitely we have to look at all your debts, you know, to see what is the actual debt-to-income ratio that we have in terms of uh, monthly, what is the ratio of commitments that we have uh, for our loan repayment? All, or we have to see everything. So uh, basically, uh, what we will say to anybody who's taking up a loan, who's thinking about taking up a loan, is to always ensure that you maintain your debt-to-income ratio. That means your monthly commitments, not more than 40% of the income. You know, So that's a very important thing. So when a client comes to us first, we would definitely assess this part of it to see what's his ratio like. And uh, we would want to see how we can bring it down so that he would have the sufficient amount for his living expenses. Because if you are too highly, uh, the ratio is too high, 
then let's say, you know, if they are like 80-20, that means 80% is going to a debt repayment and you only have 20 for living expenses. So that's like a very, very tight budget already. So that's where uh, you will have insufficient pending capabilities, you know. So we would definitely want to assess that and then we would look at his cash flow or his expenses, see where are the expenses going and how can we assess. Because we would want to focus on the basic necessities. He should be able to cover his basic necessities without any kind of loans or, you know, depending on loans or credit for this purpose, you see. So that's very important. So we would analyze that part. And then we would see how can we uh, work with the financial institutions to reduce its commitment in order that we can help him in terms of sustaining his living expenses. So that's actually the key thing that we want to advise people. So what I would say to anyone who thinking about taking a loan is actually definitely you have to ensure that you maintain a good debt-to-income ratio. Uh, an ideal one would be anything below 40% of your monthly income. And of course, you have to ensure the purpose, you know, the right purpose of you taking up this loan, whether uh, like, for for example, housing loan obviously is for a productive purpose because we do know that in general, uh, the properties, uh, the price goes up, the, the value goes up, right? So um, there is a, a net value increase there. For, uh, so that's something that we know is for productive. But there's also a lot of factors we've got to weigh in before we take in or we commit to uh, taking up such a loan. When you when you hear your clients or people reach out to you for problems, right, especially with commitments on property-related loans, do you see this really confined to, you know, lower-income households or is this something that's now stratified and applied across all different income levels? Because property prices also kind of reflect your lifestyle, right, and also your level of debt indebtedness per se. Yeah, definitely. But I, I would say that a majority of our clients are definitely uh, from the B40 category because when there is an income disruption, it affects them very badly uh, in terms of, you know, it's, it's just nice uh, for their expenses. So when there's a disruption, definitely it affects, you know. But now we do, we do, we do see the stats where we do see the M40 who's actually dropping. We call them the B50 category now, right? Yeah. The higher category. So yeah, uh, it affects them. But in terms of size of debts, like what you say, it will affect the high end, also the T20 clients, you know, if they are very dependent on uh, business. But uh, to be honest, actually, uh, at this present moment, we still see the same trend where we see a majority of our clients from the B40 category and uh, followed by the M40. Are people um, looking to remortgage their properties? to basically get access to more liquidity and cash. Are you seeing that trend? Yeah, yeah. Um, many would think about the houses, actually, because we do know that housing loan is one of the lowest rate and uh, it's one of the easiest way to actually use. It is an asset. It's an asset that we acquired and it has a value that's to yeah. assist us, actually, to assist us, right? So uh, we do have cases... Um, where people are keen in terms of, you know, going for refinancing so that they could have the excess cash in order to settle all other loans or uh, they would look into restructuring because they would want to lower down the commitment uh, in order for them to pay. But whatever decision this is made, you know, or either to remortgage, you know, an existing property uh, in order to have financing so that 
uh, they could sustain or they could pay up other loans and things like that. But they must understand that this is still a loan and there is still a commitment, there is still a cost to it. And also, in the longer they take or the higher the amount they use, definitely the higher the cost is going to be. So if, if for example, for a person who's actually uh, using up his loan to refinance a property, and uh, I mean, a person who's thinking about refinancing his property to settle up other loans, he must ensure that he actually settles the other loan and do not acquire new debts after that, because that will be like, I'm just accumulating more and more debts, you see. So he must remember because... Though I'm, I'm getting a lower rate, but there's still a cost. There's still a cost and over a long period of time. And now you will extend the 10-year more, you know. So, And you wouldn't know what's in there for the future, right? So you're actually increasing your commitment in a way. So the best thing is if, you, if the person is thinking of doing this, they must actually ensure that they settle all the loans fully and uh, do not acquire, uh, do not uh, go for new loans or do not uh, increase their credit card balance and things like that, just on other living expenses. Because if not, it's definitely going to be a never-ending story. It's just going to go on and on and yeah. on and on. Which is my worry, right? Because, you know, we you talked earlier on about this loan moratorium. Honestly, we are in a calm before the storm and it's a really pretty choppy waters at the moment. You know, so the moment that moratorium is lifted, you know, it's going to be very tough for those with huge commitments, especially those with significant uh, property and loan commitments. What's your immediate advice for those who see the the storm r- rushing towards them? What's your immediate advice to these guys, to your don't, clients? Don't wait till December. Don't wait till the last moment, please. I think by now we should know whether how our situation is going to be. Uh, so there are other plans that have been announced, uh, like uh, they have announced on the Euros on the 1st. And first thing is look back at your mouth. Look back at your monthly commitments there, analyze them, and uh, see whether what is what is the situation going to be once the mora ends in December. And do plan from now. Don't do not wait till December. Do plan from now. And if you do see that you know the financial situation is still not improved, uh, you are still unable to pay, then please do contact your bank. And uh, I think after. Uh, November 15, you know, on the other scheme that we have on Uros and First, they could actually contact, speak about it and uh, see what is the best plan they go on moving forward. Don't wait till the last minute. But as a borrower, we should also uh, plan on ways on how we could actually resolve this situation uh, because uh, pro-delaying the payment or delaying the installments is not going to really help us in long term because eventually we still have to pay out the amount. And the more we delay and the longer we uh, delay on the payment, it's going to be actually an additional cost to us. So we should actually see how we can work out on ways to actually settle them as soon as possible. On today's Property Show, we speak to Nirmala Supramaniam, Head of Household Financial Education Department for AKPK. We'll be back with more after these messages. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is Nirmala Supramaniam, Head of Household Financial Education Department at AKPK, which is Credit Counseling and Debt Management Agency. Now, Nirmala, we hear a lot about these uh, loan compressions. Can you tell us what it is? Loan compression basically is where an individual applies for several home loans simultaneously. 
uh, from various banks in order to purchase multiple properties at a time. This is mostly done by those who want to go into uh, property investments. Yeah? So they would do that so that they do not uh, appear to count as second or third home because we must know that uh, when we go to the bank, normally it's the first home that, you know, under the home ownership campaigns that it will go under uh, where they get 100% loan and everything, right? Then yep. when you go for your second house, you probably don't get 100%, 90%. You go third home is maybe 70% already. So they, they're trying to beat this and they would go at one go and apply at one go. And so that uh, you, you will still be able to enjoy that first home or the second home loan kind of uh, facility that's available. But by doing so, what will happen is, you know, because I go at one go, and when the bank actually is going to uh, assess my repayment capacity, he would not be able to get the right story uh, because uh, I, I will look as though I'm only applying one home loan at one point of time. Uh, this is what they call about loan compression. It's basically done uh, by those who are... Um, investors uh, who are looking to uh, a lot on property investments yeah so they would go on this method mm, so this doesn't really affect those who are who this is likely not someone who has had the first home isn't it it's someone who basically is an investor who has already yeah it's basically home. these people are looking at the uh, where they are looking at you know to buy and sell the properties um, so they would buy as as a few as they can and then uh, at the moment, even most of them would not wait. Uh, they would wait just until the property has been completed and they would go for a sell, sale already. So it's just it's, they don't even wait for many of them would not wait for many years. Just they would, so that they only service their progression interest, right? Uh, while the property is in development. So mm. uh, basically they are, you know, to buy and sell. So that's what normally lah. I'm not saying they have various uh, techniques and uh, things that they do, uh, but basically this is in But it's said, you know, that these loan compressions are really not good because they harm the borrowers, especially younger buyers, right, like millennials, who do not have long-term positive cash flow. So it does mean taking on never-ending debt. Can you perhaps explain how this cycle of never-ending debt is created? Yeah, because first thing we must understand that our housing loan is a very long-term loan. Right? It's at least about 20 to 30 years loans that we take, right? And the moment we take up this loan, is actually we kind of anticipating that we are looking towards where the property price is growing, right? So we, the moment uh, we want to sell, we, we take up this loan and then we want to sell them. And what if, let's say, the situation does not, go has what we predicted like in terms of the price did not really go up uh, that high and uh, or you know something else came that it's so difficult to sell the property also at that point of time so this is where the guy would be stuck uh, so this is what we call the might harm the borrowers because I'm over committing myself uh, to two or three houses at one go and if I am not able to manage this wisely, then there will be definitely defaults or even bankruptcy of the loans. Yeah? Even if the borrower does not default, right? but taking multiple loans to speculate in the property market would actually affect their ability to really take an additional loan in future. So let's say now he has like fully maximized his capacity and 
we wouldn't know what's in store in the future, right? And what if he needs to take another loan for some other purpose? And that would definitely affect his capacity, right? So, uh, you know, especially when the it's really problematic if the borrower needs to take out an urgent loan in the event of an emergency, right? And also, um, for most people, you know, buying a house is really, really a big decision. Uh, what more? You want to buy several properties at one go, so, uh, loan compression when undertaken by an investor entails uh, purchasing several properties and they do it because they do expect that the property price would go up. But, you know, like I mentioned, what if it doesn't or what if it's difficult to sell? So then it will definitely become a never-ending debt, you know, because it's, it's a long-term. It's a long-term debt. And it's, it's a commitment that uh, you can't just... Um, get rid so fast you know it takes process it takes time yeah and as a lot of uh thing comes to when you are selling a property you know because normally uh, they would go for properties under development and these are normally not matured areas right uh so you really do not know whether the speculation uh mentioned or the the outcome that was projected really really takes place so it's a risk so, yeah. So, you, yeah. so you're saying loan compression is really, really highly speculative, even in the locations that these things happen. And just to clarify, the goal for what people are trying to do with loan compression is they're trying to bypass that 70% LTV limit on third properties, right? That is set by Bank Nagara. And you're worried that we, if we end up seeing a situation where property prices uh, kind of decline or there's an overhang in the market, then this cycle will basically perpetuate itself and never end. What is the impact then of loan compressions on the market? Yeah, uh, definitely. If you see for the broader market, right, uh, loan compression creates false demand, right? Um, we do see that. Sometimes, uh, I mean, when if you look at properties, you will see like immediately after the property is completed, you will see many of the properties are on advertisements and, you know, they are on sale already. So this actually creates a false demand and it artificially increases the demand for property resulting into higher prices for this property, which may spill over the price of other projects or surrounding vicinities. So Additionally, it also delays market correction and worsens housing affordability because it increases the price, yeah, demand. Uh, but the ultimate concern is actually for those people who actually commit themselves to loan compression as that they are now over-leveraged and uh, there is a possibility it might not rise, so they are really trapped. I have seen, I would want to share a story that I have seen a client of mine who actually got stuck with this. Uh, he he was in his early 30s and he went into this uh, property buying. He actually purchased uh, five properties at one go and uh, it was various, uh, a few locations and he had actually followed uh, a mentor on that doing it. But what happened is not all his property went uh, down, but two of it really got him stuck because what happened was um, the project that was uh, projected to be, uh, it was... It was not really, you know, it was like um, they projected a lot of uh, these new upcoming public transports around the area and things like that, which actually did not take place. So uh, his property, there was like just too many vacant and he could not sell and he could not even manage the monthly commitments because his idea was to immediately sell off. 
you know, so he did not plan his uh, monthly budget or his affordability that he would be able to plan, hey, if something would happen. He did not have the affordability at all. Okay, so he just took it. But so he was stuck with two of them that he could not uh, dispose, he could not sell, right? And ended up, it affected uh, because he was trying to pay and, you know, so it affected and the other properties that he he sold also did not really give him the actual returns that he mm. needed. So he was stuck with this too. And eventually he had to lose the houses in auction yeah, and it was very much lower. So it affected all his credit records and everything after that. So it just you just need one problem to actually create a, a big chaotic situation there. You know? So... Can I just ask, you know, these guys are trying to beat the system, right, by bypassing and doing things simultaneously. Is there any enforcement or, you know, consequences, you know, if they are found out to have uh, done this? Yeah, under the standard terms and conditions by Bank Nagara, uh, banking institutions can actually withdraw the credit facilities if they are aware of borrowers are pursuing in such a speculative purpose under one of the events of default, yeah. So they are picking up this housing loan not for the purpose stated, used for illegal or speculative purpose. So they can withdraw. So the banking institution have all the right to actually withdraw their facility. Nirmala, thank you. That was very insightful on uh, loan compressions. That's all the time we have for today's property show. Thank you for being on the show, Nirmala. I've been speaking to Nirmala Supermaniam, Head of Household Financial Education Department at AKPK. I'm Philip C. signing off for The Morning Run. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.